Waiheke, can you dig it? Kia ora, I'm Chris and I'm a keen veggie gardener, but I'm just a novice. So I've decided to talk to locals who have greener thumbs than me to see what I can learn about composting, raising seeds, sowing and getting a bumper crop of fruit and veg. Brought to you by Waiheke Radio, your community radio station. This is Can You Dig It? Kia ora, welcome to episode 6 of Can You Dig It? This episode is a little late, sorry. I've been off the island for work and I'd hoped to be able to complete it while I was away, but that wasn't to be. Being away also means that I've returned to a dry garden and lots of beans, courgettes, cucumbers and tomatoes. The good news is that in an upcoming episode I'll be talking to someone about how to make the most of those crops that can overwhelm us home gardeners when they all come at once. This episode is all about compost. I recently spoke to Kaylee Appleton and Mike Fogarty from the Waiheke Resources Trust. Kaylee organises composting workshops and Mike heads the Trust's commercial composting company, so they both know what they're talking about. It's very much a beginner's guide because while I'm a keen composter, I really wanted some tips on how I can increase both the amount and potency of what I'm producing. And just to note, we recorded this interview on a really hot day and had to open all of the doors and windows so you might hear the odd bit of background noise. This week is all about composting and uh, supporting you know, the growth of our produce through making sure we have, have great soil. Um, I've got a couple of experts in to, to share some tips on home composting. We've got Kaylee Appleton, who's the Zero Waste Manager of the Waiheke Resources Trust. Hello, Kaylee. How are you? Kia ora. I'm very good, thank you. And we've got Mike Fogarty, who's the project lead for Compost Co., which is a, a commercial composting offshoot of Waiheke Resources Trust. How are you, Mike? Very good, thank you. So let's start off with... Um, uh, like a really basic question: Why, why bother composting? Why are we doing this in our gardens? Food waste in in land, landfill bins is producing a lot of methane, which is bad for the environment. It's a greenhouse gas. If you don't put your food waste in the landfill, if you compost it instead, you're putting a lot of nutrients into your soil. You're encouraging a lot of life to thrive in your soil, such as worms and microbes that are beneficial for your garden. Um, yeah, that would be the most basic answer, I think. Yeah. Mike, you, anything you want to, to add to that? Yes, I, th- I think the, the reason I was interested in, in taking on the project was the, the fact that it was something that was doable on the island because all the waste on the island goes down to the refuse centre and then gets taken off the island. So this way, we're in our operation, we're actually dealing with uh, the commercial side of it. So it's really hospitality. So they're, they're giving us food waste, which would have just got tipped into landfill and then taken off the island. So this way we're sort of making a reusable product that can be sold back onto the island again. Yeah, so you're kind of definitely kind of coming at it from two angles, aren't you? I mm. mean, it's about, about soil health, but also about taking stuff out of the, the waste train. Yeah, yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. and um, so, you know, we're doing this for the benefit of... of the, the, the things we're trying to grow at home and you know I don't know I mean composting I mean, you've set up a lot of kind of infrastructure and education around it I mean is it something that people need convincing to do well 
it's kind of like if you're already an avid gardener, you realize how much money you're spending on bagged compost and, and you obviously want to alleviate that cost as much as you can. So um, we find that people who are avid gardeners tend to be really receptive to being encouraged to home compost. Um, other people who would prefer it to kind of be dealt with um, by you know a third party usually need a bit of convincing. And what we found, um, we actually surveyed... Um, people in Surfdale in 2016, we found that the main uh, barrier for people starting to compost at home was that they were worried about rats. And that is a large issue on the island. Obviously, we have Takoda Waiohiki now who are trying to get rid of all the rats on the island so that the native birds can thrive. And um, yeah, so along with that, we've been working with them to just encourage people to always rat-proof your bins and we teach people how to do that. So yeah, it can be done without increasing rodent activity. Mm. The, you know, for someone who is is wanting to get started on home composting, uh, you know, so they've overcome their, their fear of rats and they're kind of getting going. I mean, there's a lot of different just different systems. You know, it can. I suppose this is why you're running workshops, right? Because it can appear confusing to people. But yeah. if someone's just going, yeah, I, you know, I'm sick of going to places and buying those plastic bags. I want stuff. Where do they get started? I mean, that, which which would you are you recommending as a kind of a you know an entry into home composting? Um, well, there's lots of resources online. There's lots of how-to guys. There's lots of YouTube videos out there, and we also teach free workshops. So I will teach about five community workshops a year, and I can either come to your community group to do those as I have done with like the Waiheke Gardening Group and some of the other community groups um, or you can come to the centre so we've actually got one of those on February 25th um, I will double check that date and time <laughs> in February we've got a workshop coming up um, yeah so in those workshops I'm teaching people the basics how to get started and I'm offering up the three main systems that people can use at home easily and without much hindrance. And those are basic traditional home composting, which just consists of putting your green waste and your brown waste into some kind of covered bin uh, in the garden somewhere. Uh, the other one is worm farming, which sounds a bit tricky at first because you've got to keep the little things alive. But once you get the hang of that, it's like a very, very easy pet. <laughs> that eats all of your kitchen scraps um, and then the third one is called bokashi composting and it's a kind of uh, fermentation process um, so you get some sealed bins uh, and you put any kind of food scraps in there including meat which is often why it's the most popular one um, you can put anything in these bins they're double layered um, sealed bins um, that have holes in one layer so they're nested together um, and then you can put all your food scraps in and then throw in some of the EM, um, which comes in a bran form. So it's a bran that's got lots of um, dormant microbes on it, different kinds of bacteria and mold. And when that makes contact with your food scraps and the moisture, they come alive and they start to pickle it all, like making sauerkraut, basically. So you're pickling your food and you're pre-composting it. And then you can dig it into your garden or you can add that into your garden pile to mature further. Yeah, so a few different ways that that people can get going. I mean, yeah, as you say, I mean, pro people probably have that idea, don't they? Have the traditional pile in the corner of the garden hmm. where where the stuff, you know, sits, <laughs> either, yeah. either does something or, or doesn't. And we'll, we'll ask Mike about some tips, maybe, yeah, in a, in a minute, how you actually get that 
get that working. Mm. Um, but yeah, the, the Bakashi bucket, yeah, it's a pretty kind of, I mean, it's small, isn't it? It's a nice, easy yes. way for people to get started on it. Um, yeah, it's usually yeah. about 10 to 15 litres. It was a system that was created in Korea, South Korea. You know, it's, it's a country that's modernised hugely in the last 50 or so years. So a lot of people have been living in apartment buildings um, during that time. And the government did a big push to try and reduce the amount of waste they were putting to landfill because they were running out of places to put it. Um, so they they said, okay, we're not going to put any more green waste to landfill anymore. And they looked into ways how they could um, deal with that green waste effectively. And they looked into, there was some science in Japan where they'd been fermenting things, um, fermenting green waste and also turning it into animal feed. So they kind of copied that model. And then they created these bokashi kits where people could just have a bucket, have like a like a, it's like a bran or a powder to add to it, um, and then ferment that, and then they could put it out, and it would get picked up every now and again. And I actually lived there for about three years, and uh, the apartment building that I was in actually had a green waste drop off in the basement part of the building. So you put your green waste in a compostable bag, then you go downstairs, pay the levy, and you drop it into. Um, which was kind of like a large Bokashi machine. <laughs> and then every now and again, that would get uh, emptied by the councils. Yeah. Yeah. So um, people kind of, you know, will, will try different different systems. Um, I've got... I've got the pile in the mm. in the, the corner of the garden. I, I have got as far as using some pallets to mm. actually contain it, you know, and, and have a couple of different boxes. I know people talk about the three... The three box system i've never really managed to get up to using all three but i use two <laughs> yeah. um and that's one of those things you know it's about I mean, we all know about getting it going and you see those pictures of people like running their fingers through this luscious dark brown black <laughs> compost that looks black amazing <laughs> and and mine never looks like that <laughs> so I mean, Mike, you're working on a commercial scale, but thinking down to, say, the home scale, I mean, what are some of the things that people can do to make sure that they're, they're not just producing a pile of weeds and grass, but they're actually producing compost? Sure. I think the thing is, is that, um, you know, the micros have got pretty, pretty small mouths, so people put great big chunks of green waste or or brown waste into their bins and expect a miracle and it will eventually break down but it'll just take a long time so uh, quite often people have a, a small home mulcher that they can uh, it might be an electric driven one and they're chopping it up and making it smaller so the the fact that you're you're you're, you're starting with a smaller size um, green waste to start with rather than a great big trunk, chunky tree um, does help speed up the operation and then it's pretty much like if you imagine like lasagna is probably the method that we use where you're putting a layer of green down and then a layer of brown could be leaves and then another layer of green and it needs a little bit of water and um, and I think the thing that is difficult with home composting is that at some stage you do need to turn it and let some air get back into the system um, but that first layer is or the or the first stage of the bin is is start with maybe some smaller items in it and then you will get a finer compost at the end yeah that's the, true you know like for someone like me i mean i seem to 
especially at this time of year, be constantly mowing the lawn, and the lawn's big, and you know, probably producing you know four or five of the you know the catches full of of grass. Uh, so there's a lot of green material, a lot of grass, and sure, you know that that produces a lot of heat, but mm-hmm. it seems like getting carbon. You know the the dry stuff, the brown stuff does seem a challenge. So, any kind of tips of just how to get enough of that stuff to balance your compost out? Yeah, I, w- I would say it's it's a good idea if you plan on gardening for the next few years and and having a big pile of camp- compost to feed those gardens. It's a good idea to plant yourself some carbon sources. So mahoe is a great option. Um, it's, it grows very quickly and it mulches finely. If you've got a load of tobacco weed or gorse on your land, that is fantastic mulch. You can put that put that through the mulcher easily by yourself. Um, obviously, the bigger and harder the wood, the harder it's going to be to mulch. Um, also, if you have a lot of cover crops, you can dry those out and then they'll turn into browns you can add in. At the centre, at the Waiheke Sustainability Centre, we obviously we don't have a lot of those kinds of trees around. Um, so I end up using a lot of dried leaves. So you can keep those in bags or piles. Or you can make cages just by putting some chicken wire around some posts and pile them up. Um, and I also use a lot of cardboard. I try to make sure that it's the just the plain brown cardboard. Nothing that's been bleached or had a lot of dyes put into it. Um, but yeah, that actually makes beautiful... Uh, carbon uh, in the compost because it it dissolves into really fine particle size which is what Mike was saying about particle size you need to make sure it's small Um, so I obviously shred that first I don't just put it in in layers because that way you would you would block a lot of the airflow yeah I've been wondering about the cardboard I mean obviously when you put the recycling out each week and we've just kind of had some new guidelines on what you should and and can't put out Mm. I mean there is a lot of paper and cardboard in there and a lot of it's very low quality so you kind of go it's going to be useless for Mm. recycling Mm. Um, yeah but obviously like I don't know like your your muesli box which has got pictures of berries all over the front it probably is not too good all right bleached colored mm. but yeah the, the, you do still tend to find a lot of brown though eh? i mean there's yeah. those paper bags from the supermarket mm. from deliveries um other boxes so yeah that's yeah. all good to stick in yeah that's grand egg boxes are my favorite they're wonderful right <laughs> and if you go to countdown sometimes they have um all the dimple trays from fruit coming in just sitting on the side for gardeners a lot of people use it as a weed mat but you can also use it in your compost if you just rip it into pieces um if your compost is dry you can soak that paper mm. and then uh, soak it for a few hours and then add it into your compost pile and that's going to add in like a slow release of of water as well what about seaweed i mean we're surrounded by beaches Mm. what are your thoughts on seaweed as compost material i haven't experimented with that yet Mm. um i was going to say just circling back to your to your browns also if you can get yourself a pile of wood chips that that's you know that's great to layer in as your browns and leave it you know get if you can get a cubic meter of it and have it somewhere and let that just weather for a while otherwise mm. it does act like grass clippings or you can let your grass clippings dry in this particular weather and then cover it up and keep it dry mm-hmm. um yeah the getting to the seaweed thing um it's it's not something that that we're obviously using in the but i mean a lot of people put the seaweed straight on their garden as well after they've either given it a rinse i've sort of heard different stories about whether you need to rinse the salt off it or not but mm. people are putting it sort of pretty much 
around their plants and using it as a mulch. So, mm. yeah. Yeah, that, and I mean, I think the the seagrass from the you know Blackpool surf day has been popular as a, as a mulch. I mean, obviously mm. not at the moment with the the algae, um, you know, and the 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 kind of kelpie stuff on the on the northern side. Kayla, have you had experience of seaweed and compost? Yeah, yeah, I think it adds a lot of nutrients, but I would caution against taking large amounts from the foreshore and from the beaches because it does provide a habitat for insects and birds feed on that as well as other creatures like crabs um yeah so i would say a little bit is good um but i don't think you need too much of it it's a really high nitrogen so if you're adding a lot of that into your compost you're gonna need to add more browns on top because it is a nitrogen source and it would seaweed be a green or a brown yeah that would be a green so yeah anything green is something that's you know still alive or was very recently still alive so it's full of nitrogen you know one of the components of life <laughs> with other chemicals but um yeah and then your browns are things that were once alive but they've since you know died and dried out and all that nitrogen is evaporated off or broken down so you're left with kind of the carbon husk which is you know carbon's the building block of life pretty much everything's got carbon in it so yeah that's why we say carbon sources when we talk about dead brown material yeah um weeds are another problem for, for composting i mean i've seen compost piles that you know just become a haven for for weeds <laughs> um but you know i've also heard people say well no you can kind of put your weeds in there you know mm. people have talked about soaking them um just making sure the thing's hot enough i mean you know and we all have a lot of weeds mm. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it does seem like a, a great resource you know, one that we shouldn't just throw away, and it's difficult to throw weeds away as well. Mm-hmm. So, any tips from either of you about you know how we can utilise those? Um, I think if you're going to mix your grass clippings in it, you're going to get it up to temperature pretty hot, mm-hmm. and that will help sterilise any of the seeds that are in the weeds because mm-hmm. that's basically the the concept that we use at Compost Co. Is like you know we're getting a lot of food waste, meat, chicken, fish. And, you know, one of the things that we're, we're very serious about is making sure the temperature is at least above 55 degrees centigrade. So, and that will just pasteurise anything pretty much. And, um, and I guess with grass clippings, and if you are getting some temperature in, into it, that will help get rid of a lot of the, I guess, the, the weeds regrowing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Are, are there any that you would just keep away from and not bother with? Oh yes, <laughs> those uh, those ones that are you know semi indestructible. I think we all know which ones they are. Yeah. But moth plant, Tradescantia, otherwise known as wandering willy, um, ginger, um, even kaikuya can be a real problem. It's it's got high survivability. It doesn't want to die, <laughs> but definitely and a honeysuckle. Honeysuckle can be an issue too. So with those ones, yeah, like you were saying, Chris, you can put them in a barrel and rot them down if you if you cover them with water and leave them for a few months they will rot down one of our one of our compost co composters yossi Orr, does that on his land in rocky bay um, and he's shown some people how yeah, to do it in a workshop I've, I've seen that in a workshop and i've i've had a go i and i've put it in my compost i still feel nervous about it mm. but i've been yeah i've been kind of sticking stuff in the barrel of water and mm. and you know it's in a black barrel so i get a bit of heat and it's kind of letting it leaving it for a few weeks and um yeah 
Yeah, we'll see. I'm yeah. still not 100% convinced whether I'm doing the right thing with that. But yeah. I think that's part of the whole journey of the whole thing. Yeah. It's like it's it's like <laughs> playing golf. You can't rush a game of golf, and you can't rush a, a whole batch of compost either. It's like it's just it's just part and parcel of it, and um, and uh, you know, and kind kind of observing nature. And I think that's one of the healthy aspects of, I guess, of gardening as well. So yeah. Mm. It's it's hard to get enough compost, isn't it? I mean, you know, I think about what I need for my garden, and and even if I'm dedicated to it, it is difficult to get enough. Mm. I mean, what are we, you know, short of going off and buying buying it somewhere? I mean, what can we do to increase the quantity that we're producing? Mm. Mm, that's a good question. Well, in terms of speed. Your worms are your fastest decomposers. Um, so they're, they are macro invertebrates. And they're also like level one feeders uh, of organic matter. So they fulfill a few roles um, when they're breaking down organic matter. So they're di- directly feeding on it, off, on it and it's passing through their body and becoming vermicompost, which is wonderful. So they're very quick, but they're quite picky. They don't want to eat anything that's too far removed from their usual diet, which is just leaf litter, um, roots of dying plants, um, you know, fallen fruit and vegetables. Um, so they'll eat all your kind of green kitchen scraps, your veggies and your fruit kitchen scraps, but they don't like citrus as it's acidic on their delicate membrane bodies. And they don't like aromatics because it irritates them when they digest it, such as, you know, chili and garlic and all that. So they, yeah, but they're the quickest. My, that's my kitchen scraps done. Oh, excellent. There <laughs> Cit- you go. Citrus, chili and garlic. That's, yeah. that's like 100, 50% of my scraps. Yeah, yeah. fair yeah. enough. But, but they'll, break down, they'll break down any food scraps in a week or two because they'll just be feeding on it voraciously. But you've got to have a really good colony going. So it can take you a few months to get your, um, your numbers up. I recommend getting an old bathtub and just in the base layer of that, putting some drainage material like some rocks and then covering that with some um, shade cloth or some mesh and then putting in some bedding on the top of that, some damp paper, and then you can get some worms and add that on and then just slowly feed them. And you know, after about a month or two, you'll have a large population of worms. Is the, you know, we talked about rats before. Do rats eat the worms? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. <laughs> I think they do. So yeah. you're best to cover it with a piece of ply or something and put yeah. some bricks on top yeah. at the very least. So, you know, I mean, I know that, you know, you can get compost bins that, that are rat proof and so on. But, I mean, is it an alternative to just kind of, can you bait around your compost? Would, would that work? Um, yeah. That, I mean, there's, there's a lot of baiting going on on the island anyway, so, which is good. But certainly having a, a bait bin bait at home would be always good you know because you just don't know what's around you know and um whether it's not your composting or not composting because you don't know really what your neighbor's doing either really unless you're going to go you're on quite close terms with them as well so i think having the i mean quite often there's programs in the community where you know they try and get everyone you know in a particular area to put a bait station out for a period of time so Mm. yeah i think it's always good to do that yeah, I've seen some videos that Dakota Y took where they showed um, it was in a garden that had lots of options for the rat to eat. You know, there was veggies, there was fruit trees, but this rat 
was filmed repeatedly coming back to the compost bin and trying to get access to it. And they couldn't because it was rat-proofed. It had chicken wire on the bottom, which is what we recommend. It's a very cheap solution. Just fit it to the base of your um, your garden compost bin and you can secure it with you know wire or zip ties or just fold it around and then have something on the top so make sure that there's a lid that doesn't open and then you know you can even put something heavy on top and um, but the rat was very interested so they're very much attracted to the smells but they also use composts for um, somewhere to live because it provides a food source and it's also lovely and warm in there and can be quite dry in the center, especially if you're not watering it. So regularly watering your compost is a good way to keep them off as well because they don't, they don't want to live in a wet pile. So you should be keeping your compost damp. Definitely damp, yeah. It's like they say it should be like a rung sponge. So you're not getting drips out of it when you grasp it, but you, know, you can feel mm. that it's nice and moist. Well, th- well, that's why I recommend it like, you know, for home composting is... A turn the bin and give it a bit of water get some air into it it's kind of you're trying to reproduce what would happen perhaps in the you know in the in a bush setting where the wind would come through and it would get rained on and things like that so you're just you're just trying to i guess replicate some of those things as well at home you, you know just if it's in a great one great big pile and you never touch it it will like i say it will eventually break down but if you've covered it then not much can get into it either so mm. it's a good thing and a bad thing yeah. well let's let's talk about the the turning some came to get some tips for turning you know because it can be you know it can be heavy and difficult and you're kind of stretching out with your fork and trying to lift it into another bin i mean mm. and you know particularly there'll be some people who they just don't have the strength to do that i mean do you have any tips of how you can keep on top of that aerating your compost bin um, I, I guess sort of there's those commercial bins where you can rotate them, as I suppose. If, yeah, uh, if that was a the drums. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the I mean, tumblers. We, yeah, yeah, and we, we we use a drag fork rather than an ordinary mm. turning fork, and it's kind of how would you describe it? It's um, a lot lighter on the back because you're like, it's, yeah. it's kind of like oh. a rake on a long pole. Yeah, so you're like stabbing it into the pile from the top and then you're pulling it backwards so you're using your whole body to pull yeah. instead of you know your mid to low back like when you have a short garden fork gord- garden fork and i've seen um turning screws do you have any experience with those yes we've tried all of them and they're hard work are they <laughs> yeah 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 and to get um, it in the pile it yeah. can be quite hard but uh, but again sort of go, going back to sort of like when you first set it up like the lasagna with the smaller pieces layering it that does make it easier to turn as well. What you can imagine if you've got a great big long piece of material or whatever it is and it's woven its way all through it and you know, turn into a knot inside it all and that's that's what sort of binds it all together. You've kind of made yourself a you know, a compost plasterboard or something like that really. So <laughs> yeah. And just, I suppose, to finish off, you know, for those people who recognise, yeah, look, it's important that to, to be adding compost to my, to my garden or to my pots if I'm growing in pots, and they, you know, either don't have the wherewithal or the, the you know, the place or, or whatever to, to do it themselves or the material to do it themselves, I mean, what are the alternatives for people who want to enrich their soil aside from going to one of the big commercial places and, you know, buying plastic bags? Mm-hmm. Um, well, they could, the compost we're making is a, a very dense, high nutrient compost. It's got, you know, pretty much the whole food spectrum in there, which you normally wouldn't get in a 
home compost bin. You mainly get green material. Um, you know, like there's chicken carcasses and fish carcasses, and um, so you know we are we are making in quite large quantities now um, a high density, high nutrient compost, and that is available. And you don't need. You mentioned before about you need a lot. Well, it depends. You know, there's compost price ranges from you know very small to very large, but you know there's always you only get what you pay for. It's just a fact of life to a certain extent. And, um, you know, and we, we deal with some of the gardens where for volume they might use something to fill it out, but they're using our compost as an add-in, as almost like a fertiliser to help build up the soil. So we can help with that with what we're doing on the island. Yeah. 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 So you can, you can build up your garden beds by putting logs in the base, like hugel culture, I think it's called. Um and that, that carbon will break down slowly over time and you can add in all sorts of other layers of carbon when you're building on top of that log. So you've got your log in the base, layers of cardboard, layers of green and brown waste, grass clippings, all sorts. And then that will rot down to kind of create the carbon-rich soil. And then with the compost, like makes saying, you're adding that more on the top layers uh, at, to deliver more nutrients and microbes. Great. Well, I've been speaking to Kaylee and Mike from Waiheke Resources Trust, sharing some tips about composting at home so we can get some better produce out of our gardens. Yeah, thank you very much to both of you for coming in. Welcome. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, thanks so much, Chris. And if anyone would like to know more about composting, find us at the Waiheke Resources Trust. Um, there's also an Aotearoa Composters Network, um, which even garden um, composters can join as well. Well, thanks for joining me again on Can You Dig It? Kaylee mentioned upcoming composting workshops. They're going to be held on Sunday the 25th of February and Tuesday the 5th of March. You can find more info and register for those on the Waiheke Resources Trust and Sustainability Centre Facebook page or at wrt.org.nz. And by the way, you can now follow Can You Dig It on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. There are links on the show page at waihikiradio.org.nz or search those podcast providers. Cheers. You've been listening to Waiheke Can You Dig It? Tips and info for the home gardener on Waiheke Island. Brought to you by Waiheke Radio. Waiheke Radio.